to Tandem Cannon, the gamerific podcast where co-op play is canon and where justice reigns from above. This is episode 22, Who Run the World, where we'll highlight inspiring female video game characters in honor of Women's History Month. Yay. This is Tiff. And this is Mia. Yay! Woo. Let's go straight to the talk from Teen Tandem. So, Mia, what have you been up to for gamers homework? For gamer homework, I've actually been able to play games. <laughs> Yay! Um, silent jazz hands or... Yeah, jazz hands up in here. So yeah, I was done with my play, so I was able to get in some more Persona 4 time, and I actually finished the game, but the ending that I unlocked, I don't think it was like the best or true ending, because I ended up saving Nanako, and something happened where she ended up really sick, and we were able to save her, but we ended up not being able to solve the mystery of who was killing all these people and what was going on. So yeah, so that remained unsolved. So I was like, uh, no, we need to go back and do that. I went back to December, early December is kind of like the last ditch effort before things start branching off, kind of like the Mass Effect endings or whatever. I redid some of my options because there's a certain check that happens that if you get your friends to sort of turn down a little bit because there are some things that get heated, you actually get to take on the bad guy and complete like the final dungeon. So I'm at that point. I haven't started it yet, but I'm ready to take this baddie down. So yeah, so technically I did finish. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the technicality is I just want to like re- redefine what I got. Right, pretty much. So uh, I'm going to see what's going on and if I can save Nanako and catch the bad guy and all will be right with the world. So yay. Let's see. I got in some Overwatch time. Um, Lucky. Well, I hate to say it, but part of it was under some really shifty circumstances, but we'll talk about that later. And then I tried to do the Lawbreakers beta. I got access for it, but funny thing happened. Either my game would freeze when I started it, or it would Mm. start and then start crashing. And so I'm like, I meet all the requirements. I actually exceeded it by landslide. So I was never able to play, which is unfortunate because it looked pretty interesting. Maybe they'll come out with another beta or something like that. But I, yeah, I didn't get any playtime other than that. Yeah, but it's okay. So, what about you, Tiff? What have you been up to? P.S. Denial. Unfortunately, when I was going to play Overwatch with Mia a couple of hours last week, didn't get to do that because PlayStation had a huge update. And unfortunately, my PS4 is not set up to where it can have a LAN connection yet. So, of course, a lot of my stuff is over the Wi-Fi and of course our Wi-Fi is freaking slower than hell out here. I had to wait about 12 hours to finish updating so I didn't really get to play but got to do some makeup this weekend so I didn't go completely gameless for the last couple weeks. Speaking of which we attended AllCon starting with March 16th and it ran until the Mm -hmm. 19th. So Tiff what were your first impressions? How did you feel about AllCon and favorite moment? The parking? (laughs) The parking was great because it's moved back to its original hotel at the Crown Plaza in Addison where they've had it for like nine out of the 10 plus years Um, because originally it was at the Westin in Dallas and that hotel apparently hates nerds. And so they weren't really inclined to take care of the con guests. 
So it's kind of nice to come back to some place that they already felt at home at. I think overall, I liked the flow and how this year everything was on the first or second floors. You didn't have to go up to like, what, floor 20 something to get to a panel and stuff like that. Didn't have to worry about overcrowding. So I always liked all con because it's so much more intimate than most cons, especially if you're not wanting to be overwhelmed by a whole bunch of people or crowds like you would get at, you know, a Dallas Comic Con. You only got to do the weekend where you got to go all four days so what was your impression this Um, year this year i did like the con for the most part one of the things i love about all con it is it's the parking and the parking and (laughs) um you could go in and out all con is always just such a very low-key very chill vibe you make Mm -hmm. friends with people the people that are presenting usually it's a small group so you get to know them really well and the way that the schedule works, you can sort of have a, a track that if you're really interested in anime or gaming or whatever, you pretty much follow the same presenters and you get to know them really well by the end. Unfortunately, I did have an incident at one of the panels on the first day. I attended a panel about debate between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and which one was better and kind of discussing like the, the pros and cons of each and each side had to sort of defend themselves. What was interesting about this one is that one of the panelists... <sighs> I don't know how to describe this guy because the way that the panel was set up, it was just sort of like, okay, well, y'all are just going to sit here and talk shit about each other and I'm going to record it. And that was pretty much it. And it wasn't until like people started going after like certain points where he started trying to create some boundaries or whatever. But this guy, unfortunately, he ended up saying the N word Mm. um, in a panel. And, Mm. um, you know, especially as a panelist, you are representing yourself as well as your organization or whatever. And also the con too, by extension, because they've allowed you to be here. And what happened was the topic had come up where he was acknowledging that both fandoms had come from racist origins and were taking steps to kind of alleviate those things and we talked about the movies versus the shows and blah 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 the panelist member he was saying a story or something and he blurted out the n-word all of a sudden it was weird because anytime that i hear that and you're not a black person there's a certain feeling that i'm just like i'm stunned but at the same time i'm like do i go off on this person (laughs) and be the angry black person or contact the authorities and What made it worse was the people in that room that were with me, they didn't say anything. They didn't call him out. They didn't say, hey, you shouldn't be using that word. And I had people that were literally about to like fist fight over Power Rangers versus Ninja Turtles. But the fact that something blatantly racist was said by someone who clearly was not black, they were silent. And that just ruined the rest of that day for me. It got to a point where I was like, you know what? I need to go home because I don't want to be around these people. And I certainly didn't want to be around that panelist who seemed to pretty much straight out the gate. He, and maybe it was that they were stunned too, but the panelist in particular, I remember him once he said the word, he kind of looked around like he was aware of what he did. And then he saw that I was looking at him and then he kind of chuckled a little bit, kind of like, oh, it's just a joke. And then kind of went straight on as if nothing had happened. And so that type of thing, I've never experienced that ever at a con. Well, just any professional stand there, like even though a lot of times podcasting, especially for something regarding like geekdom or nerdum. Still, when you're presenting yourself to crowds that are not really in your your listenership, you still have to come with a little bit of more professionalism. Mm-hmm. And especially for, like I said, you're coming across the people you don't know. And 
And take inventory of who you are talking to because that's not going to fly for everybody because if he had said that also to the wrong person, he might have gotten jacked. Oh, yeah. Among other things. He was really lucky because I can guarantee you if someone from South Oak Cliff or Dallas proper would have heard that, uh -uh. um, he would have got a chair to the face like right then and there and he would have been escorted out. Kind of going back to the responsibility that you have as a podcaster, what you say and how you act, those things are translated to your listeners. And if you're using that type of language, they're going to assume that that's okay because, oh, he's saying it. And, you know, with part of the the controversy with PewDiePie and the anti-Semitism and stuff like that, and, oh, it's just a joke. Well, people are not interpreting that as a joke. That has actual consequences on real people who are affected by that stuff. So this guy, I know that, you know, Alcon is, they really try to make the convention such a welcoming and open space for people of all walks of life, of all different interests. Even part of their marketing materials are like, if you see something that's a little bit off the wall in terms of like cosplay or whatever, just kind of ignore it. That's just their thing. But, right. um, but they're very explicit about harassment, consent, derogatory jokes, you know, racist slurs, stuff like that. And so this guy in particular, my problem was mainly with him because he came out the gate just starting shit. And this was not the first panel he did this at. Apparently, like another person we had actually sat in his acting class last year was also doing a panel with him too. And we had kind of heard this a little secondhand from another person who was attending several panels we had attended with Saturday. She had said how this dude was ragging dogging him and talking bad about him so that's just what this dude is and what he's about a lot of time in podcasts you bring your personality you don't unleash that to people that you're supposed to be panelists for and stuff like that being in the professional thing all kind is all about diversity and if you are a guy and you want to dress up as ray go right ahead and we saw plenty of that Mm -hmm. and it's kind of disheartening when you see people who say or do things like that because it not only makes the experience rough for those who who want to experience something that makes them happy. And it seemed like from kind of his personality, from what I could gauge, like no one was exempt from this type of bullshit. Like his fellow panelists, even introducing themselves, he already started making racist jokes. His panelist buddy is Asian. He made a reference to that and his friend was like, hey, stop doing that. That pisses me off. Knock it off. So it's not just this isolated incident. There's something within that dude that was a problem. And then later on in the same panel that he said the N-word and it made these racist jokes, I was like, well, the best way to not acknowledge racism is to not acknowledge it at all. And again, the room was silent. Like, what the hell's wrong with this dude? And you could tell like by the looks on their face that they knew something was off about this. So yeah, I went home and... I played Overwatch and shot a lot of things, and that just made me feel a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) After that, I was able to kind of enjoy the rest in peace for the most part. But it was a shame because there was another panel that we were looking forward to attending about podcasting. But after that incident, I was like, no, we're not we're not going to see him or at least I won't because, yeah, that type of behavior is unacceptable. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But I'm hoping that there is some not necessarily retribution, but I think that he should not be allowed to come back because what he did. Yeah, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, Scott should definitely come back. And I don't want to rag on the actual podcast itself because I've never listened to it. I don't know what's going on. But if this is what he's like at a professional con where, you know, he's being invited as a guest. And surprisingly, the geek community is relatively small. People know everybody. And if Mm -hmm. you are shit stained, that 
message is going to spread, especially if you're rude to fellow panelists who have never mm-hmm. done anything to you. So yeah, that just kind of worries me. But yeah, whatever happens, happens. But we still had a great time. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. <laughs> There was a couple of celebrity guests. One of it was Walter Jones, who was the original Black Ranger. That was a big deal, asking him questions about that and geeked up about asking him about space cases. So I was like, yay, space cases. <laughs> so I definitely liked making a whole bunch of friends and avoiding others. Also, while we were there, we managed to get in on a couple of games, too. We went ahead and tried our hands at Marvel vs. Capcom 3. We're not the type of people that like playing against each other. So what we did was kind of like, okay, let's Pass- get our team. <laughs> just pass the controller back and forth just like the old school days and it was fun but we got to like the first mini boss and ugh. apparently you have to have heavier hitters on them so I'm like well that makes sense because when we had She-Hulk she managed to get a lot of damage off of him I'll remember that next time <laughs> yeah we also played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time and that was really fun like I just it forgot was. how fun it is <laughs> it's totally a Streets of Rage knockoff but like it's so clear like in terms of the backgrounds and stuff like that, but that was a lot of fun too, so. Well, a lot easier than the first Turtles game that the bane of everyone's existence, but it was just great just going kick ass, so I'm like, I didn't mind that. And it was on one of the coolest systems we had ever seen where someone had downloaded practically almost every Nintendo game in existence thing. Raspberry Pi, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, really neat. It just looks like your 8-inch tablet. And also, we got to try Rocket League. Rocket League! Yeah. It was an interesting game because the Very interesting. of it, of course, you know, trying to get a soccer ball around, and I did not realize how complicated that shit is. Just the physics. But I think the second game we tried to do, I felt like we did a lot better because we did hold up our end very, very well. It was very close the whole yeah. time. And and uh, we were starting to get the hang of it. All right, we got to play this some more. <laughs> yeah, to play a little bit more of them. Like at, at the same time, like man, I wish I could play Overwatch right now. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, Overwatch is a great stress reliever. If you're ever having a bad day, just play some Overwatch and you'll be fine. I just love how with Overwatch, like if you just wanted to get in like a quick game action, I'm done. I spent my ten minutes, yeah. so we're good. Well, speaking of Overwatch, are you ready to level up? Let's do it! Let's level up! Alright, so today's tandem topic, Tea Time. We're going to cover our most inspiring women in video games. As you know, March is Women's History Month, and so we were Mm -hmm. like, let's talk about the women that we love most and who inspires us and all that jazz. So, Tiffany, do you want to start us off? Who's one of your inspiring faves? Out of so many, um, I I have to go with Miss Ellie from The Last of Us. Now, Ellie is not quite a woman, but she still holds her own like she is one. Joel has to get her from one part of the country to another. She's been bitten, but she's never turned. So they're thinking that she's possibly the cure for what is wrecking mankind. But she pretty much holds her own when Joel gets sick. Even now, that new trailer that just came out, she's taking care of a lot of people. And so, like, you see her growing into such a strong teenager to where, like, you value her strength straight out of the gate and that she's unafraid to do what she needs to do to survive when humanity is on the rocks and there's no telling what will happen. Oh, man, and that trailer, she was mad. We're going to have a Lannis Morissette moment with her, I think. I'm Um, saying, like, she's about to take that guitar and Johnny Cash them in the ass. I can't wait. Hell, come on, bitch! (laughs) Fire this motherfucker. Right? So, Um, So what about you? I know 
this is relatively recent, but I have to say Maya and Mia from Phoenix Wright, because Mia, if you've played the game, is Phoenix's mentor, and he looks up to her, and he's relatively new. He's a rookie lawyer when things start off, and so he's very concerned about letting her down and and living up to her standards, because she's very cool and level-headed, and she knows her shit. Even after some unfortunate things happen, he kind of channels her into figuring out different ways of looking at evidence and data and interrogating suspects and whatnot. And even Maya, even though she's still young, she's a younger version of Mia, basically. That's her sister. But even still, she demonstrates that same cool level-headedness. Like, she keeps things in check and helps Phoenix when he's kind of back in a corner. She helps him remind him of, okay, you got this. Right. That's a really good support, so. That's the part where I've gotten to meaning Maya. I'm going to finish at least the second case this week, so that'll be good. Yay! Also, another is Lilith from Borderlands 1. That's the only one we've played so far in the Borderlands games. Lilith is full of myth and mischief when she shoots you in the face. I mean, (laughs) Lilith gives no fucks about what she has to do, but she's going to definitely take care of you. Lilith is strong because of, even though she can definitely work with an entire group of men, she holds her own with her own magical gifts that she has to bring to the table. She is the bad bitch in charge. That's who I play with on the Borderlands. She's bad. I would not want to cross her in the street. Hell no! Um, But if you ever need a zombie apocalypse crew, yeah, like she'll she'll get a call from me. So She's going to be down for that. Right. Let's see, I guess another one, but I have to say all of the female assassins in Assassin's Creed, because all of them are just so badass in different ways, but they have like a certain wit about them that kind of elevates them above the dudes, because the dudes are just kind of foolhardy and just, let's just get into some shit, fuck the consequences, and the women Mm -hmm. seem like they're sly, and they really adhere to the tenets of the creed. They're like, look, you hide in plain sight, and they use their femininity in a way that it benefits them, and Mm -hmm. while also taking care shit and getting things done Um, oh definitely but i think maria auditory has to be my ultimate favorite out of the crew because right out the gate wow (laughs) the way she just told that tale, like i know what you do son i know what you do and practically who you do so you need to stop my jaw dropped i was like this is officially the best game ever i'm only five minutes in Done. All right. Let's like, go. She was the one that helped sell the games. Also, special shout out to Claudia, especially in Brotherhood. Mm. When Ezio thinks that she's in trouble and he rushes to the brothel and then he finds out that little sister can take care of herself just fine. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me and me were talking I'm like, well, she, she could have taken care of Duchos very easily if she had gotten the same train that the boys did when her father was still alive. So it would have been great to play with her as an assassin. Also, Evie, Fry, special shout out to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's definitely one of those bad bitches in charge. And without her, all of London would have fallen to pieces because of Jacob's fucker. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank God, for, thank God for Evie because <laughs> there's no telling what else he would have destroyed with his foolishness. And then there's also Aveline, of course, especially with her status as being a black woman in mm-hmm. the 1700s and navigating having to be the child of a former slave and... Mm-hmm. You know, wrestling with her identity and dealing with things mm-hmm. with her parents. She's still nobly trying to fight for the cause. Yeah, and I think it's very hard with her because she was the first assassin in the series trying to come to grips with just who she is. She wasn't raised in the Brotherhood. She was brought on after her mom went missing when she was really young. Towards the end, she's gripping what is my life worth, especially to the Brotherhood, and, and is it really worth it in right. the end? Right, she's awesome. 
Let's see, another one we had Chun Li from Street Fighter. Just Girl, yes. There are a lot of women in the Street Fighter series, but Chun Li is the ultimate. She's the original, and mm-hmm. she has proven time after time after time that she can pretty much take on anybody and is a complete badass. And she's she fighting for whoops some ass. Right. And she's fighting to avenge her the death of her father. And, and mm-hmm. so her cause is a very noble one. She still manages to retain some sense of innocence and sweetness and at the heart of that. But she will kick your right. ass if you cross her. So, yeah. like I just Oh, love for that. sure. She can be hot-tempered if you cross her wrong. So She could probably kill a man with her thighs alone, honestly. I'm just- saying. <laughs> Same as from Metroid. Oh. Unfortunately, I only got to play Metroid a little bit. And this is the original Metroid on the NES when it first came out back in the 80s. Of course, at that time, we didn't know that she was a girl. I don't really have much later game experiences with her. She is one of the first female protagonists of her own game. She was not a damsel in distress. And she had missions to fulfill against Mother Brain. She was going to go and take it out. The first strong female person that we saw in a standalone game. That paved the way for so many of these others on this list, only to go higher. And then for Dragon Age, I've only played through Origins, but I added Win mainly mm-hmm. because it's rare to see older protagonists in games. Win was extremely capable on the battlefield and keeping people alive. I had her on my team pretty much every moment that I could. <laughs> Once I was like, oh, she's a badass. I like her. But she also gave out that sage motherly advice. And there were some illusions with her past and her family and she was resigned. I don't have much time left in this world. At least let me go out doing something good and at least helping make a difference in someone's life. And um, I like the role that she played overall on the team because I felt like in the same way people sort of gravitated to her and her sort of motherly wisdom and the way that she talks to you once you get involved with your love interest. But to have someone with her age and wisdom and still fighting and kicking ass. And there are some, if you play as an asshole, you can make some very ageist comments about her and her physical abilities and it's like don't do that don't get on her bad side she's a sweetheart and she keeps your team alive you treat her with the fucking respect that she deserves damn it Mm -hmm. um and i i would hate to be that person and be like well don't you think you need to walk her by now and blah 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 that's definitely renegade also we have blades from streets of rage she was one of the first standalone character you could play you know ever and she can hold her own and her fighting style has always been one that i've always always gravitated to. She's good with her fists and her feet. She is not ashamed of taking bitches down. So Blaze definitely deserves her place on this list. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know I have to get through one episode with at least one Mass Effect reference. And I'm so sorry. I just, re- just one. Fuck just it. One. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of apologizing. Y'all know Mass Effect is the shit. Femship mm-hmm. is the shit. And all the women in their own ways, are just amazing. But I had to put Dr. Chakwas on this list, partially because of the same reasons as Wynn, because she is an older in your crew. Mm-hmm. But I love her backstory. No, I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have a family. I didn't want to be on some rinky-dink hospital on Earth. I wanted to go out and have adventures and patch up bloody people in space and, and have a good time. And to see mm-hmm. someone of her age and her years wanting adventure and stuff like that and feeling like she has a 
calling to that rather than being on the Citadel. And I just loved how she was written and how down to earth and knowledgeable she is. And she's funny and very witty. I really respected the friendship that my femshep had with her and it just felt very organic. And I was so happy. You had the option of choosing someone else to join your crew as the doctor. But Mm. if you decided to keep her, this feels like home. I love all the women in Mass Effect, even the not so fuzzy and cuddly ones. But Dr. Chocolate says the shit. She keeps us alive. So yeah. (laughs) Women of Mass Effect excellence. Also, special shout out to Bayonetta. Now, this is one of the bad bitches in charge of the last few years. And unfortunately, I had not been able to play any of Bayonetta's games. But just watching gameplays with her, she excels just like cool comic collectiveness, a bit of sexuality on the side, and still is able to keep her fucking glasses on. I don't know how anybody's able to do that. It's um, with magical. She will whoop your ass without thinking about it. I wish I had like a little bit more experience with Bayonetta because she seems like she's such a cool character and it's just a dream come true. But that girl is all day, every day, one of the queens of vast whippings. She's bad. I was looking at mm-hmm. gameplay of her and I'm like, you mean she's killing people with her hair? Like if that's not the most gangster <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> Literally, if someone has said, I will strangle you with my hair, she means it. <laughs> Right. Like, imagine the weave that would sell out if that's a power that they had. <laughs> Wait, I put my hair back and forth. That's her. That's her theme song. Just just keep your distance. <laughs> so I guess I have to continue the, the Bioware bandwagon because I'm just so about their games. I added Jade Empire. I, I really like Dawnstar. She reminds me a lot of Liar in terms of like temperament and everything. But she's also had a very tragic past. And how you interact with her can sort of dictate her ultimate story arc, her character arc arc. But with Dawnstar, you guys are pretty much grown up. If you're playing as a woman character, you're brought up kind of as sisters. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, we complement each other's skills. Let's go kick ass and take names and whatnot. And when you are forced to flee your home with her and try and and seek help to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of regain everything back that was lost. It's very interesting how her friendship makes a difference in you completing your goals and whether or not you actually help her complete hers and move forward from there so she was very sweet and very kind but she had this sort of determination and loyalty and steadfastness that I really liked and there was a mutual respect and she knew how to put dudes in her place ward off fuck boys so it's like yes girl yeah tell him off do the thing (laughs) Um, do the thing yeah what was another one you had to flow from diner dash Hey, that's a good one, though. I mean, think about it. She was the Enterpriser. Yeah. She was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I want to find happiness in doing what I want. And she goes off in the world and creates her own restaurant and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And serving people is her game and trying to make all of her customers happy. She's all about customer service with the quickness to perfection. And she's enterprising and wanting to make that coin. She was like one of the first enterprising people before Cooking Mama and stuff like that. So go ahead, Flo. You deserve your place on this list. You did that. You did that, boo-boo. She's still coming out with games. And it's been like 15 years. There has been so many different Iron Dash games. It's ridiculous. I'm surprised she has not retired and bought her own island or planet yet. (laughs) (laughs) Another one that we had, Sonya Blade and Katana from Mortal Kombat is no bullshit and to be able to fight in these type of tournaments, like you have to be on your A game. Street Fighter is one thing, but Mortal Kombat, you might not have a spine when you're done. Mm -hmm. A spine, a head, a a nothing. Right. (laughs) A Um, body. (laughs) You'd be lucky if you have a toenail left dealing with some of these people, but I think that the women in... Um, Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat! 
bet, y'all. I'm so sorry. I, uh, I'm sorry. My brain is on, on Andromeda right now. I'm like, Street Fighter. Yeah, and Street Fighter, clearly. I mean, they both hold their own, and they are part of the original crew, OG crew, kicking ass and taking names and putting these dudes in their place when they act out. So, yeah, I got to give them a shout-out. So. For more combat, Sonya Blade was the only one putting it down. I'm surprised you haven't talked about Laura Croft yet. Like, I know that's your, like, oh, my God, this is Bay for me. Yeah, that's definitely Bay for me one of the first bays that I've ever had. Lorikoff has just been an evolutionary character from Jump. And it was nice to have this adventurous character at a time where there weren't a lot. For PlayStation, they needed a good, strong character that will help threshold their new system into it. And, like, Laura helped with that. I think Laura Croft overall in her evolution has been extraordinary. She's just been the epitome of what a strong female character is. And her character growth from game to game has just been excellent, especially in the latest ones that get a little deeper into the ethos that is Laura Croft, you get a deeper appreciation of why this character is so beloved after 20 years. I agree. There's just mm. so many awesome women. I guess another one for me would be Alice from Army of Two. And, we, and we've talked about her. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like with Rios and Salem, she's the brains as well as the eyes of the operation because mm-hmm. she gives them all the intel. She's loyal and her loyalty to them and making sure that they get in and out alive and providing them with the stuff that they need to move mm-hmm. on to their next mission is invaluable. And it's so interesting just in the short amount of time that she's featured in the, the series as a whole just how much trust is implicit and Rios and Salem don't shut her out just because like, oh my God, they think she's a bad person, but they're at a point where they don't know who to trust. And right. Alice proves time and time again that she's ride or die all day, every day. They would not mm-hmm. be functioning if it weren't for her and her stuff. So agreed. <laughs> Alice is no nonsense. I loved her how, especially at that end, when they thought that she was in on SSC, was going to shit, and she's like, no, all you had to do was talk to me. We would have been cool from John, but no, I wish that we had her for longer than what we did. Yeah, and that she had died at all. That's another topic. Mm -hmm. But also, we have to give special shout out to all the awesome women that is a part of Overwatch. Yes. Oh my gosh. Overwatch. I know they've had a lot of criticism regarding their characters and how they're represented and they've responded, I think, really well to a lot of it and really being open to suggestions and comments. But I like that there's such a variety of women with different combat abilities. Like, I like that there are women that are tanks and not just support, but they have defense and offense and physicality of each character is so different. They're not just slim hourglass body curves all that big and strong and there are some that are chunky and it's like oh my gosh and it's just so cool to see that women could be anything even in a combat role like it's just so cool to watch them in action and they're talking shit or providing support or just doing a combination of both and I just think it's refreshing but what about you Tiff what do you think? I also love the variety that you can get from Overwatch and it seems like you get about as many women as you get guys it's not like street fire from before where you have 24 guys and only like two girls to contend with there's no shying away from their responsibility and each of their contribution to the team is important they all have magnificent strengths to the gameplay that is essential to move the team on i am just so awesomely happy that there are other options to choose other than just the standard male archetype that we always get yes um 
as much as I love Zenyatta, I love Widowmaker. I love Farrah. Farrah's one of my favorites mm -hmm. just for the awesomeness that she is. I cannot ask for anything greater than that. That's another thing that I felt like Overwatch did really well. Each character has their own story. They feel like separate and unique entities. There's a reason why it's winning best game and game of the year and all that. So well deserved. Yes. Well deserved. Did you have any more tiff? I have to give a special shout out to the wonderful women of Final Fantasy VII. And I picked Final Fantasy VII because it was the only game that I've seen or had done gameplay on myself. These ladies, Tifa, Eris, and Yuffie, each of them have their different strengths. Tifa is more hands-on combat girl, and Eris is more of the ethereal Mother Earth kind of like healer of sorts. But these ladies are not afraid to venture out to try and right the wrongs of the world that they're in. It has gone askew, especially with all the kinds of the things that are going off with Severoth, so they're helping Cloud. These ladies set a standard where hold such power in people's hearts or over people that they became so memorable. I mean, I've never seen so much fan fiction written about a certain game in my life. Then Final Fantasy 7, and believe me, I've read quite a <laughs> Yeah, people are still affected by all that stuff. So, I guess if that's all of all the awesome women that we've had the pleasure of playing with in video games, um, phrasing, <laughs> are you ready to go to the Wheel of Random Tandem? Yes, I am. Let's spin <laughs> So, today's Wheel of Random Tandem, let's talk about, um, since we are on sort of this train of, yay, female empowerment, what has been your most empowering moment while playing as a female character? Um, like, you will be on your Mass Effect thing, I have to do my Laura Croft thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, because I have to give credence to Laura Croft, and it wasn't really just any, like, significant thing of gameplay, but it's just the fact of this was the first character I remember ever playing by myself and being able to be the game. This was the first female character ever that I was ever to fully enjoy. She set the precedent for me, mm -hmm. and to see such a character also to be able to jump a couple generations down the line and reinvent herself to be just as successful, if not more, than she is now. She's getting like also another movie made reflecting this new Laura Croft. Oh, so there yes. is going to be of course i don't know how i feel about the movies until we see it we, we've heard about this with assassin's creed but like yeah. she helped set the precedent for so many wonderful female characters that came afterwards especially those that joined the playstation family this character was formerly very sexualized even though her boobs was made as a as a glitch but i'm kind of glad that they toned that down actually a, a character of grit yeah and she can fault on her own not on her looks but of her legitimate skill and you see her smarts this in these new series of games so that is why she is just all the favorite moments even even the ones back in the day i still enjoyed them for what they were and they helped propel not this character along but also the playstation system oh i haven't played the games because it's scared the shit out of me but <laughs> She's a sickness. So I'm waiting for my shadow of a Tomb Raider. So let's bring it. I'm ready. I'm Yay. ready for the bitch. We ready. So what about you? <sighs> Mass Effect once again. Yeah. So I, I had to choose <laughs> Commander Shepard as always. Mainly yeah. because Mass Effect 1 is, it was kind of groundbreaking for me because it was one of the only games where I could customize a character to the yeah. point where I could narrow it down to play style and I could actually make someone that looks like me. Which, I mean, it sounds kind of narcissistic and there are other games where you could customize a character like Saints Row. 
But it was the first time that I could create a character that could be viewed in a completely positive light if I chose. The way that people responded to me were based on my actions and and the way I carried myself rather than how I looked or what stereotypes they subscribed me to be and I could choose to be a badass. But what was more important, when I started the game and I started recruiting members, I was like, you know what? We don't need these dudes. I'm going to have me a bad bitch squad. So pretty much my first (laughs) playthrough, most of the game, I had Liara and Tally on my team because I was was a soldier at the time I didn't understand how biotics and tech work and I was like I'm not trying to fool with that yet and so between the three of us we were just mowing people down it was mm. hilarious especially once we got to Vermeer and the Citadel in the last mission where you're trying to fight to get to Sovereign and it was just so funny because we'd be on the last level and you have these giant ass Krogan like charging toward us and Liara straight up like bitch you fought and lifting these people up in the air <laughs> Tally is like shooting them like a sharpshooter and I'm just like you know shooting at anything that moves and it was just a beautiful synergy that we had and it's like you know what we're all kind of on the squishy side but we were still kicking ass and taking names and the fact that a company was so willing to invest in a female character that they fleshed them out and their personality as well as their male counterpart it just this is an awesome moment like i wish i could have done Mm -hmm. this with assassin's creed i wish you could create a customizable character as a female assassin and just lay waste to everything that moves like it would be awesome to do that right but to be able to live that out and especially because i am a space nerd and the idea of being this badass in the galaxy with your girl squad and fucking shit up like that was just cool it's just like oh my god like imagine the stuff we could do that was a moment where girls are running things around here and especially when you do have women in prominent positions throughout the alliance you have people on the council and whatnot and so it was a wonderful moment especially for those Krogan but they were not in the sequel so do you have any final thoughts y'all know the drill at this point like y'all better start hitting up our socials if you want to get updates on anything subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play so that when you know when the next episodes come out and then our social stuff Twitter, Facebook Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, and Twitch. Make sure to subscribe so that way you get all access to all the wonderful things, not just the podcasting. So, yeah. Do we have any special shout-outs? Um, we definitely do. Most of it has been on Twitter. Vegas Pro Gaming, Overlooked, I Need Diverse Games, and Pathfinder Ash. So, if you are ever on Twitter, please check these people out. Mm-hmm. And extra special shout-outs go to some very wonderful people at AllCon. Pretty much everybody mm-hmm. except that douchebag guy I deserve a special <laughs> shout out. But we needed to give a special shout out, extra special, to um, Eris Walsh. So She Geeks is a blog that she runs, and she also does different panels about the importance of representation in media, diversity in media, and she was very explicit about the way that marginalized groups are talking about representation and how important that is and mm-hmm. why is it important for people who don't really have to think about that, why that's something that they need to consider. And she also talks about right. uh, women in geek spaces and how to protect and cover each other and watch out for each other because especially because unfortunately nerd boys are not immune to some fuckery and feeling like Mm -hmm. they're entitled to women in our bodies and whatnot and just you know we got to watch out for each other so she's awesome and then um last but not least 
is Jim Trent from Mad Raven Productions. He, he runs a steampunk company and does all sorts of different panels and presentations for people who are interested in the steampunk community. And he gives some really excellent advice about the ins and outs of running cons and fan events and whatnot. I mean, he was just so sweet. He knows his shit. <sighs> oh my God, the things that I was like, wow, I just want to pick your brain some more because the things that you know, it's just like he has a lot of experience in this. And I think he sat with us for like, what, an hour? hour and 15 20 minutes an hour and 15 minutes yeah. because we were the only two in there and and we were his last he told us what to look for if you want to run a fan event to growing it exponentially every year and what to do and what to look for and what not to do. People from Allcom would come and ask them how they thought that Allcom went. This is the dude to go to if contact. And speaking of cons, wonderful little segue there. Um, we will be attending Dallas Fan Expo coming up in March 31st mm-hmm. to April 2nd. Because that's uh, next weekend already. Oh my god. Wow. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to be so tired and broke, but it's going to be exciting. And then April 15th, we're going to be attending the, it's actually terrible County College South Campus Gaming and Anime Expo. It's a one-day event and it's free and you can sign up on Eventbrite but this is a joint expo run by Tarrant County College's Anime Club and Gaming Club and it's a full day of wonderful awesomeness. So if you happen to live in the area, Fort Worth, Arlington, Bedford, Ulyss, whatever, check it out. Why not? Give it a whirl. Alright, and then Classic Game Fest in Austin, July 29th and the 30th. That's going to be fun. And then mm-hmm. the Let's Play Gaming Expo has moved from June to August. So they're going to be doing their thing August 5th and 6th in the Irving Convention Center. And then last but not least so far for the summer, QuakeCon, August 24th through the 27th. So mark your calendars. And I believe that tickets will be available soon for registration if Mm -hmm. you plan on doing Bring Your Own Computer. So kind of keep an eye on that. I believe the Bring Your Own Computer fee has gone up a little bit. The Gaylord Texan. But I'm thinking that probably since they moved it, maybe there's a chance that the Bring Your Own Computer room is going to be even bigger bigger this year mm-hmm. it's gonna be awesome yeah so that's pretty much all we have is there anything else tiff that you needed to add only that we will speak to you on our next episodes and the next episode will be released april 9th so mark your calendars and make sure to subscribe on itunes and google play so you guys have an awesome awesome couple of weeks game your heart out and stay game tastic see you guys next time Peace.